from Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to make recommendations, file reports, and survive off the water that drops from the boiler pipes into our open mouths. Maybe someday we'll escape this sub-basement, but until that day comes, this city isn't going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Huh. So, uh, I'm feeling very lonely here. The the other guy, you're not the other guy. No, my name is Derek. Hey, Derek. There's not usually very many people down here, but there's usually more than this. Uh, I guess Aiden is not here today. Uh... I'm not sure where he is. Maybe he's under the weather. Maybe he's under the sub-basement, in the sub-sub-basement. But for anybody who's curious, I'm Paul Deshane. And I'm here today with uh, Derek Foe. Poe, actually. Derek Poe, I am sorry. Just remember, I am your friend, not your foe. Okay. You know, you've been in the sub-basement before. And I made that exact same mistake back then. You will, and I'm not mocking you when I say this, you will make the mistake again, possibly. Most people right. do. I'm okay with it. Well, hey, Derek, uh, thanks for being here, because otherwise it would just be me speaking into the void. Have you brought a project, a, a film you want to promote, a new yes. album? The, good questions. I'm just um, loading it up now for you. For people who are wondering, you are a CJTR host. Yes, I am. Generally, basically... I'm going to be talking about kaijus and specifically with kaijus, I'm talking about kaijus in Regina. Now, a lot of people might not know what kaijus are unless you've watched popular movies like Pacific Rim or Godzilla. You watch those, Paul? Of course I have. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Because that puts you in a, a certain category of people. There's people that do and people that don't. It's kind of like professional wrestling or it's like a sub cult genre. Sure. And I love kaijus. And part of the reason I'm interested in kaijus is as a little kid growing up, I had a Godzilla doll. And I'm not talking about a squishy one. I'm talking about one who's hand shot and fire would spit out of its mouth like a plastic tape. Cool. Is about one foot tall, and they're now collector's items, I guess you could say. On um, if you go, if you're into things like eBay, things like that, I'm not into collecting. The internet isn't so great in the sub basement, we can't get on things like eBay. No, that's probably good. I have some images to share from you from the past. What my point is about kaiju, but I'll just leave okay. you I'm doing a new show called Rock Mollusk Leaded. And my intro for that is Blue Oyster Cult's song, Godzilla. Now, I never officially chose that song, right? but it just kind of happened. Now, I'm assuming that Rock Mollusk is mainly a rock show and not a mollusk show? It's not a mollusk show. That's too bad. Uh, But we appreciate mollusks. And the point about mollusks with the rock mollusk is we're progressive rock. So we're low and slow. Anybody who's into Southern barbecue... Basically, cooking slower, you know, tougher meats, longer, right. slower, you get something that's a little delicious and affordable. Now, okay. you pay hundreds of dollars for briskets, but 
that's neither here nor there. Rock Mollusk is about long, low and slow progressive music and Burning For You is the intro for Rock Mollusk. And I did that. Okay. I've been doing that show on Tuesdays for a few years before COVID. And now that we are kind of in different stages of COVID, I decided now that the, I guess you could say the radio stations opening up, I decided to do a new show, Rock Mollusk Leaded. And basically all that means is it is like caffeinated rock mollusk. It's progressive metal. Those of you who are not familiar with progressive rock, it's like longer, classically tinged, artistic songs, Pink right. Floyd, progressive Let, metal, yes. more rush. Okay. So, or dream theater for really, like when I say rush, everybody knows who rush is pretty yeah. much to an extent. So wait, rush is, rush is prog metal? Yes, although okay. if you really want to split hairs, Rush is progressive rock because sometimes Rush doesn't really sound like heavy metal. Yeah. Whereas if you heard something like Dream Theater, you might go, okay, that's a little more heavy metal. Or if you even heard Led Zeppelin or Iron Maiden, sometimes they do progressive metal. Okay. Or you want to get into certain groups like, oh, what would be an extreme death metal? sometimes flows into this where you have a lot of grunt and gurgling yeah and it gets pretty scary that can be progressive metal as well so okay. basically leaded is like progressive rock with a punch to the face okay tool where does tool fall on the metal scale progressive metal progressive okay so where was it going this with kaiju sorry if i've yeah changed it no that's fine i'm trying to show you an image is it best if i use my magic computers to send this to you so you can display it or what is the best way of doing this? Oh yeah. If you do share a screen to whatever it is to the uh, window, cause it is radio. Oh, okay. So we're just going to have to describe what you're showing me. All right. Please. What are we, what are we looking at here, Derek? We are looking at a giant green elevator that is painted like a prairie dog. And okay. Green elevators are symbolic of our province. Now, unfortunately, there's different reasons why green elevators have disappeared. They are the skyline of the prairie province, though. They were tall yeah. sentinels that you filled with grain and you sent them away, but they've become larger like big box stores now. I love the green elevator, and I thought, well, I should paint a wonderful green elevator, like make a model of it. Yeah, It's only about a foot tall. And painted right. like prairie dog, which is symbolic of our province as well. Now, prairie yeah. dogs are often viewed as pests. I don't believe they are. I, I view them as a keystone species. Yeah. And you need prairie dogs in this province, whether we believe it or not. For instance, the burrowing owl yeah. needs the prairie dog for their holes because burrowing owls don't burrow. And they're right. an endangered species. So I wanted to celebrate the prairie dog which is, even though it's not a threatened species, it's very common to our province. In fact, it lives, they live underneath our city as we speak. I wanted to combine that with the grain elevator that is changing and dying. And I wanted to have it in Center Point Plaza because nothing was happening. Yeah, so Capital the Point. The former or the not happened, you know. Yeah, never so, yeah and so you've got this mocked up yeah. uh, giant. So it's, you've got like a full-size grain elevator painted as a prairie dog on the site of the former Capitol Point. That's oh. what you're looking at. Nice. Yeah. And you can see the lovely, I, I apologies, I don't remember the name of the building behind it. 
but yeah, I, it's, always, I just think of it as a fresh and sweet building. Fresh and sweet building. You know what? I like that place too. I yeah. felt with that. Yeah, shout out to Fresh and Sweet. Good breakfast. Definitely. So this prairie dog, I've got. I'll, I'll share a couple more screens with you in a second. Okay. But, oh, sorry, I, I just. I just. Yeah, I've got a question for you. Would you be thinking about this? To would you want to actually store grain in something like this, or would you want it if you built something like that? Would you want it to be like a shop or something? Or could we actually start becoming like an agricultural powerhouse and start storing grain in our downtown? Wow. You see, you've opened the floodgate because honestly, I didn't even think of that. I, probably... I mean, Viterra, Viterra is right across the street. So they could start yeah. keeping all their grain on the Capitol Point site because that site is supposed to be being developed. It's been bought out, supposed to be being developed. It had a temporary uh, permit to put a surface parking lot there and they just never used it. It's expired. It expired months ago. Oh, the and surface parking lot. Okay. Yeah. So they can't do anything with it. It's just going to be a vacant lot until they either apply for a new uh, permission to yep. open up a parking lot there or until they start developing it. Well, that excites me. And it's like, I know well, the German, I played, the, I, I guess it excites me only in that it's not going to be a parking lot then. Yeah. At least. It looks like it until the, until they apply. I doubt they would get turned down if they asked to turn it to open a parking lot there. Because the they, oh, cool! I would rather have a vacant lot than a parking lot. I guess I'm going to the Joni Mitchell. I am with you, sir. Yeah, I would rather have weeds grow there and then yeah. see what happens with nature. If, if they can't do anything, if they can't figure out something smart to do with it, that's cool. That they're putting because I originally wanted to propose something for that site never happened. You know how you know how these things go. I'm not going to complain. I never pitched it to the city. So, oh, Ah. do you see my new screen? Yeah. Now, what is that? That is it's a little tiny paper mache gopher I made. Oh, so this is this you've actually mocked these things up. Yes, this is my kaiju idea. Okay. This is actually only the size six inches tall. And I used to show it to students when I worked and did workshops for the elementary schools. Okay. There was a wonderful program called Create. And we had to basically combine our visual. Oh, you see my cat behind me. Anyways, (laughs) uh, to make a long story short, it was made to teach the kids about prairie dogs through paper mache. Right. This is actually would be about 10 stories high, this prairie dog. This is where we're getting into kaijus. Did I actually make a definition of what a kaiju is? I apologize. You I know, you didn't. You just referenced the movies that have kaijus okay. in them. I should, for the listeners out there who don't know what I'm talking about, a kaiju yeah. is a giant life form. I, I'm going to guess Toho and the creators of Godzilla and the creators of King Kong. Yeah. Um, would have a fight of who created it first. I don't quite know, but that's those ideas of those giant monsters have even predated that. There's been ideas of sea monsters in the world, right. giant life forms, dinosaurs, we'll say. But the point of the kaiju, the idea was is it's a giant monster that attacks the city and a lot of people scream and run. And in the context in japan godzilla was seen as i guess an antagonist but later as those shows developed he became less of a antagonist or a bad guy and more of a 
a warning to people like, you know, you're not treating the earth well. Maybe right. you were, maybe they dumped a lot of toxic waste on an iguana. That's just right. And in fact, in later movies, current movies, as well as in the past, Godzilla has become a defender of the earth, fighting space kaijus. If you've heard of the King of the, oh, what is it? Godzilla King of the Monsters. That's not the newest, but that's one of the newest ones. Godzilla and his gang of titans, they call them, Mm -hmm. literally have to defend the earth against a giant space kaiju. And so I kind of thought with the prairie dog, with all the problems that happened with Capital Point, with all the, uh, me, just as a person who's lived in Regina his entire life, I see too many parking lots in the downtown area. I believe people should be able to park. Unfortunately, I've never been able to park at these parking lots legally, and I'm constantly dodging paying parking fines by running to my meter whenever I go downtown. My point is, I think we should use our downtown wisely. And I thought maybe the kaijus would be getting upset with this. The Because basically, kaijus, referring back to the movie, they only come up for air when they need to. Like right. they feel that the earth is doing something wrong or you're bugging them. So I'm not sure whether the prairie dog's actually getting bothered. So this is, this is like, cause you've got it now. This is a giant Kaiju again on the Capitol point site bursting out. And you, you imagine it being, I have to interrupt Sorry. for a sec to mention that we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina community radio. This is the queen city improvement bureau. And we're talking with uh, Derek Poe about Kaiju okay. prairie dogs. I am certainly not a prophet. I will say that right now. I'm not a seer of the future. Um, Right. But I guess what I'm saying is these are, while I don't think these things will really happen, I just, I guess there's just a lot about this earth and the universe we don't know. And while you can watch a movie like Godzilla, and now I think the latest one is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. And basically it's like, good kaijus having it out until bad kaijus come these things in these movies are meant as more i think almost cautionary tales ancient tales were told from i think older people's perspective to young to kind of explain the way the universe is like why don't i can't i go stay out all night in the woods well this is the big bad wolf will get you or maybe there's like an old lady in a shed with you know, well, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. So this is like a new type of cautionary tale taken to the most extreme. But are you saying that we can't irradiate a prairie dog, make it grow to 20 stories and have it ravage downtown? Well, now you're thinking outside the box. And I like the way you were mentioning things, the practical things. A grain elevator is practical and it won't yeah. threaten, attack anyone. Yeah. And radioactivity and, is, is practical. So... There is the potential to radioactively change a prairie dog. Now, I say this not just out of ethics, but limits to my um, ability. I think if I was to do it, I would just be murdering a prairie dog and I would be a horrible person because I don't know what radiation. I'm not a Tony Stark. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, everybody know I'm not Tony Stark. So I have neither billions or millions of dollars. and. If I start to play with those toys, I will do something bad. Now, I guess I want to get to the point, why did I reach out? Because I've shared this information before. My idea, and again, you can pick me up or what was it? 
bring me up to date what is actually currently going on. There's the Taylor Field site. Yeah. My is. imagination is either through radioactive means or maybe there's some sort of a cult of the prairie dog underneath that worships a giant prairie dog that we don't know about, a titan. Right. Getting back to why these titans come up in the movies, it's because they're bothered or because there's other titans out there fluffing their feathers. This is getting back to Darwin survival of the fittest, you know? So this kaiju will, or maybe it's a robotic, a mecha, a mecha Godzilla, mecha prairie dog. Right. Through the ground of Taylor field. I am not sure what this prairie dog will do. Yeah. Because again, this is the thing is, this is a nice field, at least it's got grass. I don't think the kaiju is unhappy at this moment, but it might so, happen in the future. Now, what could this be for North Central? What could this be for the city, the spot? And I know there's been a lot of talk. I haven't been privy to tons of it. Just what I get on TV and media. Could it be condos? Could it be yeah. park? Could it be, I don't know. Ta- Taylor Field. Uh, that site was supposed to be a mixed use neighborhood with like different income levels yes. of housing, also retail, also, you know, like places where people can work. Do you envision that this Kaiju underneath Taylor field, are you suggesting that it's, it, it would be unhappy to see that development that it wants to preserve the vacant lot or that it's uh, that it would, that it would welcome development into Taylor field. Well, here's my point, too. That's a very good question. If it was the type of thing where families were living, you know, we'll say a mixed space, there might be a few stores, confectionery stores, and there is grass space where trees could be planted, where people, not only people and families could play, but prairie dogs could dig holes. I think they would be okay with that. I don't think that they would break through that area anymore than any other area of Regina. Right. However, if they just put like a big concrete superstructure, a hundred story, I know I'm going over the top here, something like sure. the World Trade Center for Regina. I think they would be very upset if they put a big box store there, just concrete power yeah. center. There might be problems because those no go do not have enough green space. Or let's say the Rough Riders continue to lose to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Maybe the spirit of the gainer will burst through and march right to Mosaic Stadium and consume the entire Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. In right. Front of them. I, I was just thinking, so one of the things they're doing with Taylor Field mm-hmm. is uh, there's been the approval from City Council to put the Indoor Aquatic Center there. And connected to that is going to be a geothermal heating plant that's going to heat the building for the pool. Um, We've never done this inside, you know, the city limits of Regina. I don't think it's been done. I don't think a geothermal plant has been done in Southern Saskatchewan at all on this scale. So we don't know. They're going to be digging straight down, you know, to get to like a layer of water that's hot. What if they dig too deep? What if they, you know, what if they release a balrog? Oh, Balrog, even, well, a Balrog or something like a Balrog. The thing that's an ancient evil that's yeah. hidden under, possible, could be a Balrog. Um, maybe yeah. it's, we used to be covered by an ancient ocean. Prehistoric we did. Ocean. That's maybe true. Maybe 
there's an alpha kind of, you know how the Meg, the shark, the Meg, maybe there's a Meg of the Meg of the Meg lived underneath the sea that will just be burst forth. Yeah, so like a Mosasaur or a Plesiosaur. Yes. Anyways, kaijus are very fascinating to me. And even, I mean, my hope for this whole point is I would love spaces in Regina to be used in intelligent ways. And I guess I just make these things or I have these ideas as kind of cautionary tales about how sometimes we have only got so long on this earth. And sometimes the time that we spend, we should use it wisely. And I guess it just bums me out that there's a lot of vacant places that I don't know who owns them. And I just know I can't go on it for different (laughs) reasons. And couldn't it be used better? You know, for, like, for kaiju yeah. yes or kaiju again again i guess it becomes kaiju if it's not used better will right. our kaiju come does the kaiju right. have to be a kaiju i'm referencing now the war of the Worlds, hg wells yeah i don't know if you're familiar too much with the novel or the movie the yeah. older movie but it's all based on again i don't want to say too much spoiler it's not necessarily based on just giant kaijus it's based on robotic machines and it's way more insidious in that they kind of were under our feet right for a long time they knew they were watching us or i guess you know what i'm gonna go even further not further back but a little different sci-fi think of the body snatchers analogy yeah where it's space spores that are not kaijus they're tiny little spores that infect us and change our personalities into maybe that'll be the kaiju right maybe global warming the effects of it are the kaiju and uh, we're just not looking far ahead so the kaiju is an allegory i honestly think the kaiju is an allegory you can even use spiritual elements as some sort of god or deity i'm not saying like honestly in all seriousness i think it would be interesting if we had like a little statue of a prairie dog in this new neighborhood beside the potential mixed use or potential. I have heard about that new pool idea like that too. Keeping in mind, we have to be responsible because I actually like the idea of new ideas, geothermal, if it's going to lower our footprint. But then again, we're playing with fire. We don't know. We just hope that it's it's like the Titanic analogy. Let's go faster, go bigger, or go home and then look yeah. what happens. If we do uncover a Balrog, maybe we could like, you know, get him on a giant hamster wheel a giant Balrog wheel and just have him running and powering the whole city with his Balrog-y energy. Kind of Flintstone-y idea. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So modern Stone Age power would be our renewable energy in Regina. Now, and not to, I think those are great ideas. Just um, throwing out um, argument's sake. The challenge is, is I'm assuming the Balrog, if it lot is dynamic or, you know, it is at least a naughty creature. That's true. That's so true. we would really like, you know what? I mean, you look at Godzilla movies and King Kong, really, they're just big puppy dogs that aren't right. understood and want to be left alone. You don't push the big dog, though. Yeah. But um, Balrogs are bad. Yeah. So yeah. we would really have to, I hate to say it, unless we erased its mind or it all of a sudden became good, maybe it yeah found the error of its balrog ways um but that's a good idea get the hopefully the balrog would have some benefit too 
I don't want to punish the Balrog forever. Although Balrogs live for thousands of years, so that's true. Yeah, I like the Balrog. I mean, yeah. How about a Balrog and a Prairie Dog together? Well, I I really a like because I mean the 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 hamster the giant hamster wheel would work much better with a giant Prairie Dog, and we could like you know again we could like use the giant Prairie Dogs to pra- to power our city. Maybe we could ride them like in the Dune novels. With yeah. The- worms yeah again and i'm actually glad that we kind of went down this tangent if anybody the listeners are familiar with dune the novel or the movie that was put out that has an ecological theme to it if you want to see those movies they're very heavy movies and the book is even heavier have you ever read dune oh yeah yeah yeah. oh so you know what i'm talking about oh for sure yep it's like the lord of the rings of sci-fi you can almost start and they have these worms. And I sometimes look at her. If you look at Saskatchewan, I think there's actually parallels that can be made to Saskatchewan in our world with the dune world of Arrakis. Because it's not all as it appears that if you're familiar with the books or the movie, it's, it is a big, scary, awful desert with giant worms that are bigger than Godzilla or as big. Right. Due to environmental and there's a whole theme of spice and yeah. So now would we all be Freeman? Yes, we would be the, right. be the Freeman or Fremen. I don't know if it's Freeman. Freeman, or Fremen. Fremen. We would have yeah. blue eyes, or would we yeah. have green eyes? Green within mm-hmm. green eyes. But we would ride prairie dogs instead of giant worm. I like and, this. And, and potash, Pat potash would be our melange. Now here's the question: Would the Freeman or the Fremen? On prairie dogs with green eyes, would we be kind of in the periphery, like in the middle of the nowhere, kind of the great sand hills, the forests of the north, the big prairie zones? And would the emperor, um, instead of Shaddam the force, just take your favorite politician or dictator? And yeah, that's what it's about. So are you trying to say, are you trying to say Scott Moe is the, is House Harkonnen? Oh, I don't know if he's House Hark. No. Yeah. Okay. House Harkonnen. Now, if Scott Mo floated, that would uh, be quite the thing. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he can be the Baron. Well, you know what, Derek? Uh, we are pretty much out of time here. Okay. Well, I hope I answered. Do you have any more questions for me? I hope I didn't yak. No, no. Uh, you, these, are, these are some great ideas. Yeah. Okay. This is like jazz to me. You know what I mean? You've thrown some good stuff at me and made me think. Thank you. Anyways. Well, thank you for coming on. You know what? We are going to go directly to Innovative Revenue Tools right now. The last few weeks have been pretty crazy at City Hall. We can hear the hullabaloo through the vents. It makes it hard to sleep, frankly. Not only has the city's Catalyst Committee misadventure reached a climax, with City Council approving the committee's recommendations with only a few changes, we also saw the relaunch of Tourism Regina as Experience Regina flame out spectacularly. With Aiden away, today is as good a day as any to play audio clips from the important events of the last few weeks, and in fact, we're going to focus on a single day, March 23rd, 2023. That was the day that Council met to make its decision about the Catalyst Report. First up, here's Councillor Andrew Stevens zeroing in on a less talked about section of the Catalyst Committee Report, the recommendation to set up a Municipal Land Development Corporation. 
You'll hear Stevens make his amending motion, followed by Councillor Tarina Nelson, who has some questions about that. You'll also hear responses from Chief Financial Officer Barry Lacey and City Manager Nikki Anderson. Yeah, I got quorum. Um, Councillor Bresciani, I have Councillor Stevens and then Councillor Bresciani. Councillor Stevens, go ahead. Great, thank you. Um, I just want to start with an amendment. And just to be clear, this is on the report in its entirety. I signaled that I was going to bring this forward uh, at the executive committee meeting, and Councillor Hawkins and I had an exchange about the appropriateness. Amber has it. And it regards Section 4A. So... This is a far less interesting part of the report. Um, and the amendment is that administration be directed to report back to City Council by Q3, Q3 of 2023 with options and recommendations respecting the establishment of a municipal land development corporation and that it include the following additional information, mandate terms of reference for the corporation, governance structure, and associated startup and ongoing financial implications. I'll need a seconder, please. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, you know, I think a lot of work has gone into this over the years. Uh, there's plenty of information in the Catalyst Committee report, essentially a positive recommendation to get this started. I wanted to make sure that the language was crystal clear and the directive from Council was unambiguous, that we want to get this started as soon as possible. I chose some dates randomly. So if administration thinks this is a nutty idea in terms of timeline, just say so and we can talk about it. I think this is urgent considering everything we've seen in the city's plans and in the Catalyst Committee. So I'm, I'm looking for feedback and support from Council for this. And if Administration wants to comment on the time frame and language, please do so. That's all I have. Does Administration have any comment? Someone? Hand up? Anyone? Thank you. Council, uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Lacey. So, uh Thank you through you, uh, Mayor Masters. Um, I mean, we've done a fair amount of work around uh, uh, the development of a municipal land corporation from interjurisdictional inter uh, research and analysis on this. So I, I, when I look at this motion as it is uh, worded, I think that's achievable for us to come back in quarter three. Uh, with a report for uh, Council's consideration. Thank you. I guess my second intention there is that we get something up and running before the end of the year if possible. We'll wait for that report. Thank you. Uh, speaking to the amendment, Councillor Nelson. So, was prepared for this, kind of, but what I'm trying to figure out with this is if we're directing administration to go do some more work to go get another arm's length land corp developed why why aren't we doing this internally do we have do we have the capacity to be doing this land development corp within our city and and I and a reason I question this is we we bear the weight of the decisions that these places make and and I mean we all know what's going on right now and, and we had no idea we don't their board is the one that says what comes to us. We as councillors don't get to say. So my question is, why are we going to go do this again instead of our administration staff doing the work? 
through the chair. Ms. Anderson? Ms. Anderson? Are you okay, Ms. Anderson? Yeah. Ms. Anderson? Or Mr. Lacey? Mr. Lacey? Yeah. Through the chair, I think I'll let Mr. Lacey start, because a lot of this work, frankly, was done before I came on, and then I'll perhaps add on to it. So through you, Mayor Masters, I mean, certainly there's many options with respect to land development, and when we did our interjurisdictional research, you know, some municipalities had that work in-house, which is kind of where it's at right now in the city. Many other municipalities as well have established a municipal land development corporation. And so in looking at that, there's advantages and disadvantages. I think the advantages of a municipal land development corporation that is located outside of administration proper is you're allowed to have, I think those corporations and those entities have much more focus. In some cases, I think there's sometimes more expertise you see there with respect to land development. And when I speak to more focus, that's in part around the fact that, quite frankly, administration has many priorities and can be pulled in many different directions. And so sometimes I think your focus does kind of shift depending on what the priorities or what the issues of the day might be. And so when I look at municipal land development corporations, those are, you know, some of the two, I think, biggest benefits that they bring. But again, once again, it's a decision of council. And we see, and when we did our interjurisdictional research, you saw many different forms of this, including it being in-house. I think if it were to stay in-house, though, I think you need a conversation about a different focus, different skill sets being brought in, because I think what we're trying to accomplish here would require something different than what we have today. Yeah, through the chair, I think the only thing that I would add to that is, yeah, there's pros and cons to both. And as administration is currently set up in its iteration, I know in the Catalyst Committee report, there's an org structure with additional resources attached to it. And so to do that work internally, I mean, frankly, we can prioritize and bring expertise in a wide array of areas. We need to just have both the resources and the expertise to be able to do that work. So can we not hire? We have a bunch of FTEs that need to be filled. Through the chair, I would say we don't currently have a bunch of just FTEs just waiting to be launched for new positions. But I would say, I mean, part of what we do through the budget process, through reallocation of resources, is prioritize what we do have and ask for more when we need it. And then also, of course, there's the external arm's length independent municipal corporations that also play their roles. So now correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to figure this out. We're spending money for real to do stuff. Why can't that money be spent internally for us to do that stuff? And I'll tell you what bothers me with this is we as a city employees 
We have nothing to gain and lose by how this land corp comes out or how this... We're doing it for the people of Regina and the taxpayers of Regina. And I know there's a lot of talk going on right now, and, and I'm just trying to figure out why that we, as a city of Regina, our employees can't do this work internally to bring back something to us that we actually can vote on as council instead of just it being brought to us and we have to just deal with it to the chair. You are listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, and we are right now casting back in time to an important day in Queen City history, March 23rd, 2023. Marvel as we listen to voices from out of our past, speaking to us like ghosts from this epochal date. In this next clip, you will hear Councillor Shannon Zakidniak explain why she's voting the way she's voting on the Catalyst Committee's recommendations. She ends up only voting in favor of the non-vehicular trail system, but casts no votes on the downtown arena, the library modernization, and everything else. You will also hear answers to her questions from city staff, including from real CEO Tim Reed. Just, I, there's been some discussion about this already, but I would like to hear um, just a quick overview of what all is meant about developing to a position of shovel ready and how that differs from our current processes. Ms. Anderson, I don't think you can answer this. So, Mr. Lacey or Ms. Nelson, tell us, uh, tell us in 2019 when an aquatic center was identified as being first on the list, why don't we use that as the example, how much work was performed prior to a vote of, uh, in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, why don't you, why don't you let, us, let us know what work was done after that was identified. Through you, Mayor Masters, I'll refer that question to Ms. Bizdell to speak to the work that was done with respect to uh, getting to the feasibility study that the council uh, Ms. Bustel, through the chair. Um, so I would say the work of doing the feasibility study uh, took approximately a year to get, just over a year to bring back a report to council, uh, which was in July of 2022. And um, it, I would say that shovel ready, I'm not sure um, if there's anybody online that could speak to the funding. Shovel Ready is really, I would say, a requirement for applying for, um, for grant funding. And that I don't know what that definition is from a federal or provincial grant funding opportunity. So I'm not sure if I answered your question, but... Okay. Councillor Zakidia? Okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, my next question is um, regarding the decision-making criteria. Um, on page 12 of the Catalyst Committee report, it says um, the final element within the decision-making flowchart that was agreed upon was the need to evaluate all major civic infrastructure projects within the four priority pillars. What qualifies as a major infrastructure project in um, that recommendation. Mr. Reed, do you want to answer that one? I will for sure. Um, 
from an order standpoint, I, to through the chair to the councillor, I could add some additional commentary on shovel ready if that would be helpful as well. Certainly. I, I just don't know that it would be. Yep. So, yeah. so from a catalyst standpoint, I think our understanding of shovel ready was essentially that you had a schematic design that talked about the overarching program of the facility. That schematic design had an operational plan that would be plus or minus essentially 25%. How many people would use it? What would it cost? How would it program? What are the hours of operations? Within that operational plan, you need to understand what representative groups would have access to the facility, ensuring that it's inclusive and accessible. So the utilization model becomes quite important. And the overview of the users that you have engaged through outreach is important as well. So really you need a schematic. You need a schematic to say how much it's going to cost. In addition to that, you need an overview of the operating model. Both of those would be essentially plus or minus 25%. That would be in a position from a grant funding standpoint to be shovel ready. Hopefully that's helpful. Can I ask just for clarity on your prior question just so that I make sure that I hit all your points, please? Um, in terms of shovel ready, that, that's sufficient. Thank you. Um, and you're wanting clarity about the next question? Yes, please. Okay. Um, I have to find it. I wrote it down. Okay. So the decision-making criteria speaks to um, using the, the pillars to, um, for any major civic infrastructure project. So my question is, what qualifies under that recommendation as a major civic infrastructure project? Through uh, the chair, that's a great, great question. I don't actually think we benchmark that. Um, by the recommendations that we've shared, essentially the, the smallest of those facilities would sit at about 22 million. So I would assume that anything over 20 million would be our benchmark within the Catalyst Committee framework. That might not be a big number on certain projects. But I think the intent was anything that um, was considered a catalyst project should be reviewed by those benchmarks. So I don't know that we set a dollar threshold. I think it was more relative to facilities that catalyze a neighborhood, a district, an activation. Okay. Uh, also, if um, in terms of the proposed priority of projects, um, I believe there was mention within the decision-making criteria, perhaps, that... Um, there is the, although this is uh, the suggested uh, priority and framework that um, there's, if an investor came forward uh, request with, um, came forward in relation to a project, there is the possibility that a project would, would be considered out of order, out of sequence. Is that accurate? Through the chair it is. Um, I think it's a really important comment because it was foundational to where the Catalyst Committee was. All things being equal, the sense was you should sequence the projects in this order. However, if a private investor or a government investor or money fell out of the sky to 30%, to you should really think about it because it relieves a burden from a capital finance standpoint from the city. If it hits 50%, you should actively talk about it because it's a, it, honestly, it, it's, a, it's a huge investment relief for the city. So although we have a sequencing, if money was to become available to a tune of 30 to 50% project costs, our recommendation to you is you wouldn't want to lose that money. So uh, resequence your projects based on funding availability, whether that's private or public forms. Okay, thank you. Uh, how much time do I have left? 
We have a couple minutes left, Councillor. Okay, thank you. So I just have some comments now. Um, first of all, I want to say that I do appreciate the work of the Catalyst Committee um, and, um, and, and those who have contributed to get us to where we are today. Um, however, I, also, I do also at the same time feel that um, this process I felt has been rushed from the beginning. I voted against the terms of reference because I felt that we were trying to advance something too quickly without having a clear, def uh, clear enough understanding of what we were trying to accomplish. I think we heard that from residents who, we did hear that from residents who came forward and expressed the same, um, whether it was criticisms or um, sense that their opinion was not, they did not have adequate information or opportunity to give their opinion. Um, I have noticed that even within my questions today that uh, there's a lack of understanding about what some of the things mean in this report or a lack of consensus. And um, I think this this is where we're talking about city building initiatives for decades to come. And we uh, it's important that we do this properly. Um, we've and, and I noted at the beginning of the meeting that uh, this time today didn't actually work well for many of us. I'm probably going to have to leave right away. And um, and so I, I think it's also unfortunate that the time wasn't taken to find a time that, that all of us could be available for this really important discussion. Um, when we see what happens when we rush things and don't follow pro proper procedure, um, the rebranding of Tourism Regina, I'm not willing to support this at this time. I have a lot of hesitation with this rushed process that seems to be becoming the norm at City Hall. Um, as a result, I unfortunately will not be able to support any part of this report. And had I been given more time as requested, perhaps I'd be able to. So that's all I have. Thank you, Councillor Zakivia. The March 23rd meeting ended with Council voting in favor of all the Catalyst Committee's recommendations. The main ones there were uh, building a non-vehicular trail system, which received unanimous assent. There was also the plan to redevelop the Central Library, which passed with only Councillors Zakidniak voting against. The Downtown Arena passed, but Councillors Shannon Zakidniak, Dan LeBlanc, and Andrew Stevens voted against that one. And the Indoor Aquatic Center had actually received council approval earlier at a March 28th, no, sorry, at a March 8th meeting so that council could meet a funding deadline. After the meeting, Tim Reed, CEO of Real, addressed members of the media in his capacity as chair of the Catalyst Committee. Towards the end of that press conference, as Real is also responsible for Tourism Regina, Tim Reed took questions about the controversy surrounding the Experience Regina launch. Here's what he had to say. First off, we haven't spoken to you since, but I know you've apologized on, on social media, uh, but can I get your opinion to the slogans that were put out and then the backlash that uh, followed? Awful. I, I think would be the, the best word that I could use to describe it, and I'm not sure it's probably a strong enough word. Uh, I, think, I think the offensiveness of those slogans... Um, we're not in keeping with our values as a community or as a city or, or, or mine personally. It's just not what we should have done. Um, 
We hurt people. We embarrass people. We impact people. And it's not our role. It's not what we should have done. And we've apologized for that. But I think we're going to spend a long time apologizing, and I think we should. I think we should as an organization, and I think I should as a, as a leader. We were wrong. And I think our community demands better of us. And we let them down. Do you have a sense of how this all happened or how it was approved got in there? I, I, I do. And I, I don't know that it's a complete sense right now because we're literally going through every decision that is being made. We are committing that we'll investigate this thoroughly. We'll update not only our board of directors, but also city council on it. My sense of it, it was there needed to be more stringent guardrails put around messaging and the language that we were used. There needed to be better approvals that were in place than there were. And ultimately, the strategy that we intended to launch versus the one that we did were two very different scenarios. And so I, I can't say, hey, this is the outcome. What I can say is there, there was process, there was approvals, and there was guardrails that needed to be put around this, and they weren't where they needed to be. And I think for that reason, as the person that oversees Experience Regina, that, that's my fault. And I think we can look at a whole bunch of people within the organization and say we had a role to play or another one. At the end of the day, making sure that doesn't happen is on me. And, um, and I think we'll look at everything that happened so that it never does again. Is this something that you should or would resign over? I don't know that I have an opinion on that, but I've been clear with our board of directors. And I think I've been clear with council that has reached out as well. Um, ultimately, this, this is my responsibility. And um, I, I've certainly suggested I'm open to any conversation they wish to have. I haven't had that conversation right now with anybody, but, you know, I certainly regret where we stand. And I also am very accountable to the fact that um, as a leader, my job is to make sure those things don't happen. Mayor yesterday said when she saw the slides, it was March 7th, I believe, and those slogans weren't included. So somewhere between March 7th and the relaunch, they would have been snuck in there. Do you know when or how quickly that would have happened? They were never included. And I think that coming back to as we work through this investigation and coming back to how do we maintain that the right controls are there, corporate and strategic decisions need to be, be at a corporate level. And sometimes when we let things work at an individual level, we fall short. And my job is to make sure that that doesn't happen. The reality of it is, is those slogans and those taglines were, were never part of the strategy. Uh, they didn't exist. It wasn't where we intended to go. But they found their way forward, and they should have. And so uh, nobody would have seen those. Our board didn't see those. The city council didn't see those. Our, our, uh, our marketing agency didn't see those. And um, there were decisions that, they were, that were made that were wrong, and the controls around them didn't prevent them from occurring. When you talk about the board, is that the real board of directors, or does Experience Regina have its own board? It's the real board of directors. Okay. So. The mayor said you're you're meeting tonight as a board yeah. to discuss that. Do you have a sense of how many dollars and man hours would have went into this rebrand? Yeah, um, I, I don't have a sense of the man hours uh, or the people hours that, that that went into it. I will. Um, 
it, it was a relatively lean package in terms of what we asked folks to do. It was really around a logo and basic branding. And so some folks may have seen the the logo, the manifesto. Behind that was positioning of the brand. And, and essentially, that was the primary work that was intended to, to go forward. Um, the value of that was about $30,000. People time around that in terms of resources internally. I don't have that number. And beyond that, there was likely investments that would have been made anyways around website updates and those type of things. But the brand itself was about a thirty thousand dollars investment. Given the backlash this has caused, do you think the thirty thousand dollars was worth it? I uh, I think the experience Regina brand had a lot of strength, and I think there was some good feedback, lots of good feedback around it. Um, I think the materials that were provided and developed. You know, they need to be evaluated and they need to be reviewed because lots of it was really good. And then there was pieces of it that were just terrible. And so at this point, everything's on the table. We've said that consistently. I don't know that we're going to rush to a decision. In fact, I think given the attention that this has drawn, um, we can't we can't walk back those things. As much as we regret them, we can't we can't hide from them, we can't run from them, that they're there. And the opportunity for the city of Regina is to make sure that what we do in the future is perfect. And to do that, I think we have to take a different approach. I think we have to involve different people. And I think we have to make the most of time. If there's one thing, the Catalyst Committees or Experience Regina or some of the things that we've been doing, and we heard it today from a counselor, um, I think should all reflect upon is that doing things fast isn't always doing things right. And um, ultimately, I think we have some time now to make sure as a community that we get this right. I don't think we have to make any decisions today. We've removed all of the offensive content from from anything that is experienced Regina. And I honestly think we, we have to press pause. And I think we have to bring some really great people into this discussion. We have to find out what's right first. I know you said, obviously, this decision isn't just yours uh, at the moment. But do you think personally, do you think that the experience Regina, do you think that can be separated from this controversy now and continue as it is? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of said, well, that, you know, with all the international attention, it's, it's not possible. What, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I, I, I truly don't. And I, I'm not trying to avoid the question. Um, I, what I do know is I don't think we have to make that decision today, and I don't think we should. I think we should evaluate everything so we get this right. Um, whether we continue with Experience Regina or we step away from it, that there will be there will be a lot of eyes on what we do next. I think that's the opportunity in this. Um, so, no, I, I, I truthfully don't know. From a personal perspective, um, I wrestle with whatever decision we have next. You'd ask me right now, I'd give you an answer. You'd ask me now, or I'd give you a different one. Um, and, I, and I honestly think I just, I don't know, and I don't think we know. I think what we've recognized is we have time. And this process of repositioning this will take time. And, and we have to evolve. We truthfully have to evaluate all options and do a better job of getting eyes on these things so that it is representative work. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned into the community. Our thanks to Derek Foe for joining us today. Aiden will be back for our next meeting, which will bring us 100% closer to quorum. 
Music for the Queen City Improvement Bureau is provided by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. You can find more of Ryan's music at guidewire.bandcamp.com. Find more Queen City Improvement Bureau goodness on our website, queencityib.com, where you can find an archive of QCIB meetings dating back to October 2015. We're also on Twitter at QueenCityIB. Coming up next, music, stuff, radio goodness all through the night. Thanks for listening. Keep on improving, Regina. Regina.